last time on part one with Eric Salaji. So at five years old, I was obsessed with UFOs. Move forward, you know, a few years. I'm getting into Bigfoot. I'm getting into Loch Ness Monster. The Bermuda Triangle at that time was a pretty big thing. You know, anything that was like out of the norm really just appealed to me. You know, I loved watching scary movies, whether it was the old Hammer films or the old Universal Studios. You know, I mean, I can remember sitting, sitting behind a chair in my mom and dad's living room watching Christopher Lee as Dracula. And I filled my days with this stuff. At about that eight or nine year old age, I can remember um, laying in bed. I used to have to sleep with the hallway light on. I rolled over and I opened my eyes and I looked at the doorway and I saw a shadow standing there. There were only three people living in the house. It was my mom, my dad, and myself. And the silhouette that I was looking at was neither of them. And you know, I never, I never said anything about it. I never told my parents about it. Probably in the age of around 18, I was dating a girl. She had gone down to Southern Indiana to IU University. Back in those days in the 80s, it was a big thing to do mixtapes, right? So I had made a tape and I'd sent it down to her. I sent her some of her favorite candy bars. And I think I called her like once a week. I got the package back and there was a note in there that was like, this was horrible. Why would you do this to me? I had no idea what the hell was going on. So I called her and she wouldn't take my phone call. I called her back like three times. And finally, one of her friends from the dorm, she gets on the phone and she goes, you know, I don't know what your problem is, but you know, that wasn't funny. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, listen to the tape, like you don't know. And she hung up. So I went back to the house and I listened to the tape. Then I flipped it over and all of a sudden, as the tape starts to play, I start hearing this. I mean, it just went on and on. There wasn't like any breath. It took up like 10 minutes of the tape. Then it left and it went right into whatever the rest of the songs were that I put on. I was freaked out. I called my buddy um, and, and I said, man, I need you to come over. So he comes over and I rewound the tape and I played it for him. He's like, you, you got to tell your dad. So we took it up to my dad and we played it for him. And here's the really weird thing is that his reaction was not what you would have expected. He listened to maybe a minute of it, maybe. And he hit the eject and he pulled the tape out and he handed it to me. He goes, take this out to the end of the driveway and burn it. So we took it out to the end of the driveway where the curb is and I set it on fire. And as I stepped back from the burning tape, in the flames, I saw a blue upside down cross. And now the continuation of Eric's story. My my first blush, first blush instinct on that was, I was like, oh, did, did the tape get caught and it just recorded slow and then it picked up? That's that's what I the, initially that's what I thought. I thought the tape was getting eaten, but it wasn't because I. I yeah, did you, it was. Did you look at it? I, I opened it up and I yeah. looked at it because I, I was no stranger to, uh, you know, I mean, I had, when I got my first car, uh, the first thing I did was save up money to get a, a Pioneer head deck put in there, you know, so, so I had a tape deck in there and, nice. you know, I was no stranger to having to take a pencil and stick it in the hole of the tape yeah, and, rewind you know, it. rewind it, you know, so that initially that's what I thought was going on. It didn't really sound like that. Okay. And um, if know, the tape it, wasn't disrupted or crinkled or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then so 
you know, I mean, the evidence is gone. So, uh, you know, it melted at the end of the driveway. Uh, yeah. Uh, and a blue flame. In a, in and a blue a flame with an upside down blue cross. <laughs> Gosh. So, All right. But, you know, and, and that, that's, that's, those experiences are, you know, what had continued to fuel my interest in this stuff. And, well, it was, it was in May during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been a coach at a, at a high school for, for high school football. I met a buddy of mine. We'd known each other for about 10 years. We were coaches at varying different levels together. And, uh, he did, he also did a side gig where he would broadcast high school sports on an online radio so that people who couldn't make the games could actually tune in and listen to the games being broadcast. Right. It was a nice little gig for him. And, uh, so I went over there May, mid May of during the pandemic, everything in Michigan is shut down. Um, you know, you can't go to restaurants, you can't do this, you can't do right, that right. social distancing, all this stuff. <laughs> and I went over to his garage and we sat out in the garage and had a couple of beers. And I said, Hey, you ever like think about doing a podcast? And he looked at me and he goes, are you crazy? He's like, <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, you know, I mean, you've got the equipment, we could do it. You know, whenever we get together, we, we're never short of anything to talk about. You know, whether anybody <laughs> wants to hear it or not is a, is debatable. But you know, so we decided to start doing this little Beyond Sports with Biggie and Bob, and it basically was just a, a very local for the the community that we were both uh, a part of because our kids had gone to school there, and you know, we coach there, and so it was all basically about this this local small local community and uh you know we had we had some shows that weren't worth a shit <laughs> and then we had some shows that really really did really well for us especially when we had like the um the school administration uh, we had like six of the school administrators on we talked about you know what the the new pandemic landscape looked for as far as kids getting back to school and stuff like that and we had like over 500 listens on that episode you know and you know, so the, the, we had our, our share of successes and some that were, you know, not so great. Um, but he was a busy, busy guy. So we ended up, there were a couple of weeks where he couldn't make it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to slide in some of the stuff that I like to talk about. And I did one episode on uh, a paranormal team that's kind of kind of local to us. Then I did one uh, about a Bigfoot group that I had found in the state of Michigan that was willing to talk to us. And you know, those, they were good. They were good shows. We didn't get a lot of listens um, because of it just going out to the small community. Right. But I went back and I listened to them and I was like, it was, it was pretty good. You know, it was pretty good. And it started to become apparent that, you know, my, my desire to talk about this weird stuff, really wasn't jibing with talking about sports and in, in our local community. <laughs> so I was, you know, I, I felt like I had tried to fit a round peg into a square hole right. uh, or a square peg into a round hole. You know, I decided uh, to start. I didn't really tell him about it right off the bat because at times he can be like a little bit of a naysayer. Mm-hmm. Not that he's trying to, not that he's trying to just, you know, get you not to do something, but you know, he is like, ah, man, that's stupid. Nobody's going to want to listen to that. 
<laughs> Little so, does he know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I started putting a couple of shows together and, uh, and then I got to episode five and episode five kind of, kind of rocked my world a little bit because <laughs> little I ended bit. <laughs> up having, a, having the interview with a native American witch. And, uh, I mean, was that something you wanted me to get into or would you want, you want me to direct people to go listen to that episode? Oh, I, I invite people to go listen to that episode. Absolutely. But it was, I, I think as far as being on the air, I mean, I invite yeah. you to talk about stuff off the air too, sure. if you want to go into that you may, but, um, it was the whoop that yeah. that kind of touched things off. Let's remind our audience what we're talking about. Here's the sound. Yeah, you just I, I just live you live your life and what was that? That's not your only on your experience. No, no. Um, you know, that, that night with the witch, um, you know, I witnessed an arm reach through a door yep. and and wave at her. Um, it did, it was not completely apparent to me at the time that when I saw that the door did not open. <laughs> um, so for that arm to come through that door, um, that, that was not a physical arm. And, you know, basically it just reached into the room and waved at her. Um, she, she seemed oblivious to it at the time. I thought in my head, I was thinking that it was her brother you know, just kind of like, Hey, I'm here. I'm not right. going to bother you. Um, but the door didn't open. It, it was shut. It, the the um, arm came through the door, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the door, the door was directly beside my left shoulder and the doorknob was right there. So had it opened, um, I would have certainly, I certainly would have seen the, the door swinging open and, and somebody standing there. Um, so that, and then, you know, about maybe halfway through it, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things, man. And yeah. one of them was that she has uh, a group of Bigfoot on, on the property that surrounds her where she lived. And, uh, we're, we're recording and she was like in the middle of a sentence and she was pronouncing the word and, you okay. know, to continue her sentence. And all of a sudden, man, we were just hit with this bombastic just ungodly loud shocking piercing right noise and you know i immediately i ripped my my uh my cans off my head and she and i both like the the back wall to her bedroom was all windows so she spun around to look at the windows i was looking at the windows I had chill bumps on top of chill bumps on top of chill bumps. Um, yeah. And she looked back at me and she goes, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, what the hell was that? Yeah. It's on the audio. And yeah. <laughs> it, now, now the, the really interesting thing though, is like, you can hear it, right? You can hear it. Absolutely. Some, some people can't hear it. That's bizarre. Some people can't hear it. I mean, I had to turn I, it up a little bit, but I, I, you could definitely hear it go whoop in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can't hear it for nothing. And and the really weird thing is the really weird thing is, is like I isolated that audio and I had like a 10 second, 12 second clip that I put on my cell phone, my Apple phone, yeah. my iPhone, and I would play it for people. Sometimes I could hear it clear as a bell. Sometimes I'm like, I can't hear it. 
and I went over to I went over to a friend of mine's house and I handed it to her and she started she pushed play. She was sitting like on the other side of the room and she was push, pushing play so to to play it for her mom. And from you know 10 feet away, I could hear it like nobody's business. Yeah. But to hold the but to hold the phone up to my and and to listen to it, you can hardly hear it. Right. I had to hear I had to listen to it on your phones, and then I could really hear it. Such a strange um why why certain times you can hear it, why certain times it's louder, why certain times it's not. It just really strange. We actually studied this at uh NASA. <laughs> well, I worked really? at NASA for two years. And uh there's something called uh, harmonic resonance. And it'll yeah. actually, if you look at the waveform of a given sound, yeah, there are certain frequencies where it just doesn't show up. And if you isolate that frequency and you play it back, you, you won't hear anything. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you play in the dips or isolate the dips of yeah. this given sound wave, you won't hear it at all. So you're dealing with something that created infrasound. Yeah. So it cre- that's why you got the chill bumps because yeah. you heard it on multiple levels. The human right. ear is more sensitive than most people understand. Well, um, the the thing that you'll notice is, you know, with as, um, you know, I've explained to you my equipment and, yeah. you know, it's high dollar stuff. It's it's good, very good sounding equipment. I got high, high quality mics and, and the whole bit. Um, so the representation of what I had heard in that room versus what you hear on that recorded audio night and day difference oh i bet what it it shook me um my body went into arguably fight or flight um the first thing that went through my mind was shit i left my gun in the car (laughs) second second thought that followed it immediately was shit i got 40 pounds of dog food in the backseat of my car (laughs) which which was really a weird or really a weird thing. They're going to break but, into my trunk and eat the dog's food. <laughs> but what was going through my mind was, you know, having read stories and heard reports of people who keep their, their, uh, their feed for their animals right. in a trash can with a lid sure. and, and they come and they, they eat it. Yep. Um, so, you know, during the course of this, you know, I had the chill bumps. Right. Right. And then it kind of, then it kind of started to dissipate. And then, but then it came back, it was like a wave and it came back and then, but it wasn't as strong and then it would dissipate and then it'd come back again, but it wasn't quite as strong again. Mm-hmm. And then it would dissipate and it did it like four or five times. And with, with no subsequent sound after. Right. Correct. Okay. Just still, still just dealing with that one sound. Okay. Gotcha. Um, you know, and it wasn't for a couple of days until it struck me. Because having looked into Bigfoot and, you know, gone down the rabbit holes rather than just <laughs> watching, uh, rather than just watching Finding Bigfoot or stuff like that, right. actually, you know, getting into people's reports and, and some of the, what people consider to be the woo aspects of these things. Right. Um, it, it finally, it dawned on me. It's like, it felt, it felt, it felt like it was an electrical thing. Ah, and then I was like, oh, that's what people mean when they say they got zapped. Right. (laughs) Right. And I was like, holy shit, you know, 
And, and I was a little disappointed in myself that it took me, you know, three or four days to come up with that. But it was a, it was a very real realization that it's like, okay, so my, my body reacted to an infrasonic sub sub frequency. Right. Exactly. Right. I didn't hear something that was that loud. My body was hit by sound waves at a sub level frequency. Right. Lions and tigers do that. And elephants and elephants exactly. and whales and whales. Yes. I've a whale, uh, it, from what I've read, if, if a person was to be around a whale and the whale was to use the infrasound that they have at their disposal, they could basically liquefy the internal organs of a human being with it in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. It, it would be pretty messy, you know, and there's, there's even a, there's even a story. Um, I believe it was in Africa, where um, elephants had not been for for quite some time, mm. and they had moved back into the area, and this uh, uh, this community that lived there, uh, they saw a, a sudden increase uh, in in suicides, and oh. nobody could nobody could figure it out. Right. And then once they realized that the the herd of elephants that was so very close to this community the amount of infrasound that they were producing by that herd were affecting people in a negative way. And they were committing suicide. If I remember, I think I know that report too. And if I remember it was, um, the science teams, they actually compared to the Taos hum. If you yeah. know about that yeah. at all. Yes. Yeah. It's so it's just driving them nuts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So, um, you know, just very weird, very weird stuff, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, there were some other things that happened later that night. Uh, she, she basically, uh, she was sitting on the corner of her bed as we were finished with the interview and I was packing my stuff up and I looked at her and I saw this. And the only thing I can really equate it to is I keep bringing up, you know, an Etch-a-Sketch because if you look at an old Etch-a-Sketch, you kind of have that, that sparkly sand that's underneath the glass. Yeah that when you do the knobs, it drags that little cursor and, and draws the line. Um, I saw like this and it wasn't bright. It wasn't really, you know, overt. It was just like this sparkly, very, very transparent shimmer that kind of came across her. Mm. And as it did, her clothes went away or um, the lines in her face smoothed out uh-huh. her hair straightened out and got longer. And I wound up sitting there looking at what would have been maybe a 18 to 20 year old version of her crazy bare ass naked. Good times sitting in front of me. Um, <laughs> and then just like that, I lost my, I lost my words, man. Yeah. Yeah. I I had, I had no words. Right. And then just like that, that shimmer came back again and she's back to being 46 years old. Um, hair was a little curlier and a little shorter. She was wearing a car length leather coat, blue jeans, shirt, the whole, you know, back to being who I'd been sitting with for two hours. And she, she kind of leaned she leaned towards me and she had a smile on her face and she goes, what's the matter, hon? <laughs> what did you see? 
And I said, I didn't say I saw anything. And she goes, oh. And she sat back up, and then we walked outside, and I was freaked out. <laughs> I ain't gonna, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was freaked out. That was some shit that should not have been, right. that should not have happened. I think in magic terms, that's called a glamour. That's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been told. And uh, so we walked outside. I loaded my stuff into the car, put it next to the 40 pounds of dog food. <laughs> she walked up. She walked up to the front of my, the hood of my car. She faced the back of her property. She put her hands up around her face and she went. Whoop. And now all the property around her house was wooded. There was a little bit of a ravine in the backyard. Um, there was a, a pretty good sized stream. I wouldn't say it was a river, but a pretty good sized stream that ran back there. Mm -hmm. I remember that from when I first got there in the daylight. And uh, moments after she did that uh, from back behind the house in that ravine, you get a whoop. And then like <laughs> a few seconds after that, way off to the right, you hear another one that sounds like it was at least twice as far away. You hear whoop. Wow. And wow. she turned back and she looked at me and she smiled and she goes, isn't that neat? <laughs> isn't that cool? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's cool or not. You know? Right. Um, <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, she said, she said she would leave, she would leave food out on the back deck for him. Okay. And, she, you know, there was a, there was a place that she would go sit. Um, that was not too far. She, she actually showed me where that area was. Um, she would go back and she would sit there and she would sing to them in her native Algonquin language nice. and she would leave, you know, peanut butter jars or, you know, candies or honey buns or stuff like that unwrapped and just leave them sitting out there and they'd be gone. Um, you know, now, yeah. Raccoons, mice, squirrels, whatever, um, you know. You know, um, and Bigfoot, apparently, <laughs> I don't know of anything that whoops, whoops in South, Southwestern Michigan. Right. Know? And it was like, um, I, wow. so that's staggering. That's amazing. I got in my car and I started driving home and the road that she lived on was pretty twisty and turny and a lot of S curves and everything. Again, it was very wooded in that area. And if it wasn't wooded, it was farmland. Mm. And you know, it was, it was dark out. It was nine 30 quarter to 10 at night. And man, I could not bring myself to turn my bright lights. On. <laughs> I could not, you did not want I to did, see, right. I did not want to see any eye shine coming out of those freaking woods as I was going through those corners tracking you the whole time. Oh man. Yeah, that'd be frightening. I did, not, did not want it. I yeah. did not want it. Yeah. So oh, man, that was, that was a bizarre night. That was three hours of my life. That was like, whew, Holy cow. Welcome to the paranormal. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And then, and, you know, out of the clear blue, um, before we had actually left the house, she says, Oh, Hey, I got a, I got somebody I think would be a great fit for your show. A friend of mine. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, his name's Eric too. And I said, Eric Bernor. And she said, yeah. Oh my God. How did you know? And I'm like, I didn't. How did you know? And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, I've been trying to find, I've been trying to get in touch with Eric Renor for like two and a half months. Huh? My very first interview was with a demonologist out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. His friend was an author named Corvus Nocturnum. Corvus Nocturnum. 
um, his real name, his real name is Eric Vernor. And Eric Vernor is a reverend in the Church of Satan in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And how she pulled that name out of how many billion people in the world? All right. And I was floored. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. She says, I'll send him a message. He'll, he'll get back with you. He'd be a great interview. Three days later, I get a message on Facebook from him. Hey, I'm sorry. I, uh, I heard Susan said you were trying to get a hold of me. I'd be happy to be on your show. Huh. You're a braver man than me. <laughs> so, um, you know, and what could be more uncomfortable than, right. you know, uh, a, a Catholic raised uh, guy talking to a uh, reverend in the church of Satan, right? <laughs> right exactly. Um, well, you're living you up know, to your brand. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very, very nice guy. Very kind. Uh, seemed like a, seemed like a very astute businessman. Um, you know, he, he seemed to be very accommodating as far as answering all the questions that I had. Do I believe the answers that he gave me were truthful? Uh, especially when I asked him, you know, why, why would I accept what you're saying is the truth when Satan is, you know, the great deceiver, right. um, you know, w- would you be honest with me or would you naturally not be honest with me? You know? And, right. Um, so, you know, it made for a great conversation. It was really interesting. He was very cordial. And, you know, I'd, I'd sit down and talk to him again, but, uh, but I'm probably not going to, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, so I've had all these, I've had, you know, these weird tendrils that kind of come out of one episode and they may not go into the next episode, but, you know, two or three down the road, they, they show up again and there's these weird continuities that continue to happen. And, you know, throughout the course of doing this show, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm into 100 and 103, 104 episodes. Um, and just to see the, the, the weird web that, <laughs> that, that comes out of doing this. Right. Good way to put it. It is. It's just a strange web of, of yeah. weirdness, you yeah. know, and it's not, a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Agreed. Just the continuity and the, the, I use the word and I hate it, but the synchronicities that, that happen and yeah, it's just bizarre. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I love it. It's great. Um, I'm extremely thankful that I've been able to surround myself with some very positive people, some people that seem to have a, uh, a good, uh, a good relationship with the light. Um, I think, I think that keeps me, uh, I think that keeps me grounded and I think that keeps me, from, um, from crossing over to, into, uh, entertaining thoughts of, you know, digging into this stuff for the wrong reasons. I right. guess. Um, I understand completely. Yeah. I'm fortunate to have those people in my life as well. Yeah. And, you know, have I, have I always been a believer in psychics and stuff like that? Um, you know, of all the things that I have believed in, I've always, uh, I've often thought of the psychic side of things as being kind of iffy. Yeah. Um, I am no longer in that boat. I am, right. I'm a, I am a flag waving supporter of people with legitimate, uh, legitimate gifts. You right. know, they're, they are out there. 
And uh, right. when you find the right one, man, they can make a difference. They sure can. Oh, yeah. I know that from personal experience. Absolutely. With JJ. Um, Absolutely. I just yeah. had her on. We recounted her first case with us. And yeah. be sure to stay tuned for that. That's coming up soon. Um, actually, it'll probably air before this episode. But it'll. Oh, uh, I see how you are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I can move things around. I don't care. Um, <laughs> oh, she'd kill you. Oh, she would. She, she put me, she'd do bad things to me. Um, <laughs> okay. So of these experiences. Yeah. Can you find one or one or two that made you go, my God, that's the coolest thing ever versus I will never do that again. Hmm. Um, well, I don't know that I have any that I would say I would never do again. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I I mean, there's some things, there's some things that I think I would probably put in place before I did them again, uh, that I was not aware of when I did them before. Gotcha. Um, you know, I honestly, I, you know, I look at, I look at the amount of experiences that I've had in my life and then. Uh, the experiences that I've had since I've started doing this show. And I am extremely fortunate, extremely fortunate that I have not suffered the, um, suffered the fool for doing it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's because I have a very strong, and, and this is how JJ and I kind of came into, um, into our, our friendship I wanted to do an episode on spiritual armament and yes. fortification, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I've always felt that I've, I've got a very strong fortification. Um, I can't recite anything out of the Bible. You know, I, am not, I'm not this, I, I don't, I don't carry that with me. Right. Um, but I, I, what I do carry in my heart is, you know, that, that love and light and, um, the desire to, to be good and do good. I think I'm very fortunate that I've come very close to things that could have affected me. Um, and they haven't, Yeah, you know, I haven't had, I haven't had any lasting effects of anything like that. And I don't know if they, they look at me and be like, nah, he's not worth the effort or, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't get the feeling that I'm pushing my luck ever. I don't get the feeling that I, you know, man, one of these days <laughs> it's going to get me. Right. I, I don't ever really feel that way. And maybe I should, but I don't. Well, I don't, um, I don't know if you're out doing investigations like, like me. Uh, I've done, I've done a few. Okay. I've done a few. And, and the only reason I've done a few is because each time I have gone, I have again had, such overwhelming confirmation. Ah. Um, it, I have not been that person that had to struggle with going to uh, multiple different investigations before I ever got an EVP or I got a picture right. or anything. I've always been, wow, mm-hmm. that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. And I don't, you know, I, I look back at that and I wonder if that's, if there's something indicative of, myself that is allowing that to happen. I don't know if, you know, I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I have gifts. I'm not saying 
that I attract right. uh, the paranormal. I, I don't know what it is, but all I know is that if I put myself in a position like that, I can get recordable confirmation, whether it be picture, whether it be audio EVP, whether it be a spirit box, um, mm. whether it be K2 meters. Um, I've never, and, and so that, you know, that, that chase, that hunt for me is not, is not a very strong, um, need or desire because I've, you know, like I said, with the stuff that I had happened with my dad and, oh, yeah. um, I I'm just, I don't need, I don't need anything to be proved to me. Um, sure. It would like, I would like to know how it's possible, why it's possible. Right. Um, you know, what the, what the mechanics of their interaction with us is, yeah. that would all be great and interesting to find out. Um, but I don't need anything to, I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to prove it to myself because I've already, I'm already there. Right. I'm, I'm like, you know, so. Yeah, no, same. I mean, I said it before, you and I are living virtually parallel lives uh, as far as this stuff goes. It, it's amazing because my first case, and I I just did a, a podcast about our first case with Scary and how we chased a legend. Not a confirmed report, but we had reports of hauntings that came out of this one area, uh-huh. but there was no, and it was based on a suicide that happened at this location, but there was no police reports surrounding it. There was nothing to back it up on paper. So we investigated a legend and we got a response. Wow. (laughs) It was pretty intense. Um, How cool. (laughs) Is that, is that episode out? It will be in two weeks. All right. I have to check that out. Yeah. I just put uh, part one up yesterday. So of uh, my, uh, two-parter with jj the um so be sure to listen to that uh let me let's talk briefly about bigfoot your show revolves a lot around bigfoot not exclusively but quite a bit um i'm sure you've seen the shows where there's a couple of them if maybe one or two i don't know but uh they're actually looking to shoot down a bigfoot for confirmation where do you stand on that Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, there's, you've got, you've got so many sides to the Bigfoot thing. You've got, you've got the people who are apers and then you have the people who are, you know, that these things are more of a, a person, right. a people, right. you know, um, apers. I love that term. I, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the apers seem to attract the academics, yeah. the people that, you know, have, you know, uh, like Jeff Meldrum and, um, Cliff Barrickman and stuff like that. They tend to be on the Aper side yeah. because they have um, they have this crutch of science that they like to lean on. And and I don't I don't begrudge them that it is it's much easier to to talk about these things from the standpoint. And we need we need everything we can get as far as people you know confirming that these things are exist. You know, like Meldrum with the foot casts and sure. you know. De- determining the foot morphology and the, you know, the, the weird break in their foot, uh, yeah. the, that, that allows, and, you know, and when you, when you break it down and you look at it structurally, that's what would have to be in, that would have to be the design of a foot that was carrying an excessive amount of weight right. and an excessive amount of height, um, the mid tarsal break. Right. So we need all that stuff. Um, but the thing that annoys me is when those people discount, 
the people who have experiences that are considered like on the woo side of things, you know, the infrasound and, you know, lights in the woods, uh, either before or after seeing one, um, you know, these, these weird things, uh, you know, I talked to Christina Rake, the archbishop of the old Catholic church, you know, and she's a paranormal investigator as well. And in the episode I was doing with her, we talked about, you know, isn't it, isn't it strange how so many things throughout, you know, UFO abductions, extraterrestrial in, uh, uh, interactions, uh, haunted houses, um, you know, poltergeist activity, Bigfoot stuff, you know, light orbs. I literally saw a light orb manifest in front of me. Wow. My daughter, my daughter was with me. We both saw it happen right in front of our face. It was not a reflection of light on a piece of dust. It was not a, the, the shiny shit that's on the wings of a moth. It was not through uh, any kind of uh, night vision or, uh, you know, like a, a ring camera where, you know, infrared lights being projected at something that it reflects off of right. and because of the, because of the, the film speed, it, right. that it looks like a, a flying rod or anything like right, that. Right, this right. was a, this was a manifestation of light about the size of a golf ball, maybe a little bit smaller. Wow. And it happened in a graveyard. It happened right at the top of a monument. It, it appeared, it zipped around real quick and then boom, it was gone. I couldn't follow it as it left. It just dissipated and was gone. Wow. Um, you know, so I know what a true orb looks like. Well, people that have experiences with Bigfoot say they see lights in the woods, right? Mm. Could they be, could they be fireflies? Yeah. Could they be, Depends. you know, gas, uh, swamp gas? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Um, you know how rare that phenomenon is. <laughs> but, you know, then you, then you start talking to people who do paranormal investigations and they see orbs. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about dust in your camera lens. Right. I'm talking about a, a, a an orb that is producing its own light source. Yeah. And then, you know, people also see balls of light dancing around in the sky, you yep. know, yep. and, you know, people very often, um, one of the reports as far as Bigfoot are concerned is you hear tree knocks. Oh yeah. Okay. Tree knocks, tree knocks awesome. you know, <laughs> well, the weird thing about tree knocks is when you hear a tree knock, if you go pick up a limb and try to create a tree knock yourself, it sounds nothing like yeah. what you're hearing. Yeah. The only way you can get even close is if you take like two old fashioned wood, hardwood baseball bats and clonk them together. Right. So it's a very distinctive sound. It's very, it's, it, it's very difficult to recreate. It's almost like you have to use an ax handle just to kind of even begin to replicate that sound. But then you have to find the right tree. You have to, it has to, to be hit. a really narrow, narrow tree to get it too. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. But then, you know, how many times do you hear about a paranormal group being in a house and hearing knocks? Right. Yeah. You know, good point. And it's like, so, so many of these things kind of weave in and out of Bigfoot experiences and paranormal experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we, you hear people talk about Bigfoot using mind speak. Oh yeah. Almost, almost every account of anybody that's ever claimed to have a extraterrestrial, uh, encounter. Yeah. They talk through their mind. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, when you're, when you're getting interaction from a, um, a ghost or a spirit in a, in a haunted location, they're physically not there. You're, you're getting an electronic voice phenomenon that is being produced from where, right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know, we, we have the, we have the crude science to be able to capture it, but nobody can explain how it's happening or why it's happening. There was actually a, 
short paper done, I forget how many years ago, that they actually theorized that spirits, ghosts, whatever it is you want to call them, when they produce sound, they're actually using hard light. Is it with a hard light emission to create vocal really? cords and all that stuff? And, uh, you know, they're actually manifesting like a hard light somehow. It's not in the visual, human visual spectrum, obviously. That's why they're invisible. Well, and, and that's that's an interesting part that you bring up, you know, the visual spectrum. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking about uh, frequencies, vibrations, of light. and, yeah. you know, what what we as human are capable of hearing and seeing. We can only see in a very narrow spectrum of light yeah and we can only hear in a very narrow spectrum of sound that's true and then you know we have people that talk about these bigfoot being able to cloak which <laughs> sounds absolutely crazy that's my absolute but there was you a know. there was a federal study on that did you know that <laughs> no there was a federal i think it was a military study I forget who reported this. This is also some years ago where they actually put bunkers in the forest and they were eye level with the floor that, yeah. you know, and they'd have soldiers or scientists or someone down there watching these things, seeing one, if they showed up and two, if they did the cloaking thing so they can study really? it. That's unconfirmed, wow. but nonetheless, I believe it. <laughs> well, I've, I've talked to, I've talked to a woman. Uh, and I hope like hell I can get her on the show. Um, she had an experience where she was in the presence of a Sasquatch. Uh, um, she had not seen it, but she was recognizing um, she had seen one before and she was recognizing the same, um, the, the same uh, physical cues uh, or the way she was feeling about being in the presence of them. Um, she, she started to usher her, her child. They were, they were hunting a piece of property together she got her son out of the tree, uh, tree stand and they were exiting the area and she looked back. And when she looked back, and this was a piece of property that they had hunted for a long time. She was very, uh, very comfortable there. She knew the place inside and out. And when she looked back, what she saw was still trees and it was still air, uh, blue skies and it was still, you know, leaves and grass and everything, but it did not look like it was supposed to look. And, you know, when we, when we start talking about like Ron Moorhead in his book, uh, the quantum quantum Bigfoot, um, he starts getting into, into the quantum entanglement and, and a lot of stuff about Bigfoot. Um, and this leads me to believe that, you know, through like the Sierra sounds, uh, uh, the gentleman that, that broke down the Sierra sounds for Ron, um, he was a Navy retired Navy crypto linguist, right. Um, Scott Nelson, um, you know, he was able to determine there was a morphology there. He, he could, he could isolate, you know, termination points of sentences, uh, exclamations, uh, you know, there were, there were several beasts that were talking over each other and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the noises that they can make and the stuff, you know, some, some people have suggested the possibility of having multiple sets of vocal cords. Or just, and, I mean, they're big creatures, so they probably have a higher and lower range yeah. than we do, that's for sure. It starts to make me think that it seems pretty unlikely to me that they would be able to cloak themselves. That seems pretty Hollywood. But, <laughs> yeah. but what if they have enough of a 
um, enough grasp of frequency where they can alter the frequency that distorts your vision. That could well be that could, you know, well because be. when she looked back and saw that her environment had changed and did not look the way it should have looked, that's what started making me think maybe they're able, you know, with the low infrasound infrasonic frequencies that they can produce allegedly, um, mm -hmm. maybe they can produce other frequencies that can disrupt our visual acuity. And maybe that's why people are saying, oh, they cloak themselves. Well, no, they're not cloaking themselves. Maybe they're just changing what you're seeing. Yeah, that could well be. But so, so she looks back and she sees kind of this predator thing happening where it's. No, 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 she doesn't see. No, she doesn't see any physical creature or anything. What she sees is that the trees look different. The sky looks different. The, the ground looks different. It still looks like it but it doesn't look like the place that she's supposed to be at. Oh, you know, it oh, looks. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is maybe their, their use of frequency and vibration is enough. If they direct it like a directed sound weapon, sure. That it can affect how you're viewing what's in front of you. And maybe that's what people are. Maybe that's what people are saying they're cloaked. Maybe they're not cloaked. Maybe they're just adjusting the frequency around you and it's affecting your visual interpretation of what you're seeing. Yeah. There's a, there's a pretty close uh, relation. I heard a noise. <laughs> Sorry. My there's wrist a, hit my watch. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, there's a pretty close interpret uh, relation between sound and the visual spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, you can affect it. So I yeah. mean that they, they knew this in ancient India with the medallas and everything. Right. Well, and interestingly enough, um, this is something that I wish to God I could find. I talk about it all the time. I don't remember if it was in a documentary, if it was just a segment on a, on a show, but there were two gentlemen, they were at Stonehenge. They were both, uh, some type of sound engineers. They had gone into Stonehenge with permission they had a bunch of um big speakers they had a soundboard they had all kinds of stuff set up and they were they were bouncing frequencies from high frequencies to low frequencies they were bouncing these frequencies off the inside walls of the stones at stonehenge okay and what they were trying to figure out was maybe the intended purpose of that was you know if there was some kind of back in the day when it was being used by the people who created it you know, like rhythmic drumming or some kind of, you know, monks all standing around doing some kind of rhythmic humming or something like that. Was that a, was that some sort of a resonance chamber? Was that, was it designed to induce some kind of a, um, you know, an out-of-body experience or, you know, uh, was it designed to kind of put somebody into a trance-like state? Mm. So they were going through all these different frequencies and stuff. And as they started getting down into the sub-frequencies, into the infrasonic level, um, and they were, they were pumping out some, some massive volume. I mean, the, the equipment they had was really impressive. The one guy had a, he had a, he had a pull out. He couldn't do it anymore because his vision was getting affected. Uh, he yeah. was feeling ill. Um, you know, he wasn't feeling good. He was, he was shaky. So they had it, they had to stop the, the experiment. Well, when you look at the Havana syndrome, 
you know, that's a, that's a sound directed weapon at, at the U S embassy and what was it Cuba, right. You know, and all these people, all of the effects that they're reporting are the same things that people report when they're having an experience with a Bigfoot that directs infrasound at them, yep, yep. you know, and, and vision distorted vision or eye problems are one of those things that are listed as, as an issue. As so I that, said, what, those two what, things are very closely related. A lot of people yeah, don't so, realize that, you know, so, um, okay. But last thing before we go, um, All right. I wanted to give you kudos on oh, episode 60. <laughs> it was your editorial on the Hopskinville Goblin case. Oh, did you like that? I dug that a lot. I love that <laughs> case. That's just an amazing case. And uh, the fact that Dr. Heinig backpedaled on everything he wrote down a blue yeah. book and said, yep, yep, that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, that's a... Sh- <laughs> it's a shame because you know um it's been ridiculed so much you know and there's been so many things you know yeah. that uh, i forget what his name was but you know he was a carny and he worked you know and you know yeah i get it but i think i even indicated at the beginning of of that episode and i and i don't very often do just a one-off episode like that where i don't have an interview and i i, I tell a story um, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work as well. You know, trying yeah, to get I appreciate right sound your soundtrack. Like yeah. That. I was just going to say, I really appreciated that, but you know, it's, it's just one of those stories that grabbed me as a youth Yeah, and I've never been able to shake it. It, it, it's never gone away from me. Yeah, it's, it you know? really then, sticks with you and it makes you think about the other alien attacks that have happened that have been reported yeah. and, uh, uh, whether that was an intended attack or not, or just a really intense uh, scrutiny of those people, I really right. couldn't say. But, um, you know, that one always stuck with me as well. And yeah. when I saw that on your list, I was the, I listened to it just before we got on the air. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, you know. And I did another episode uh, on the Dewey Lake Monster uh, from 1964 oh, uh, in Dwajak, Michigan. I did that one similar way with some sound effects and stuff. And it's just me talking, um, again, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, but they're a lot of work to put something together like that as well, <laughs> yeah, you know, know, to, I've seen people talk about similar things on YouTube and they don't put a lot into it. Just, they just tell the story. And I don't think, uh, I don't think it conveys well, unless you, you really put some effort behind, you know, the, the oral, uh, oral part of you know hearing it going on as you're talking about it a little bit of theater of the Uh, mind you know you know it just assisted a little bit that's awesome yeah and it kind of reminded me of like old time old time radio the old radio shows yeah yeah Yeah, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men (laughs) the shadow shadow knows (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely so I wanted to give you kudos on that. I, well, I enjoyed your that. perspective on that. And I enjoyed you retelling that story. That was a lot of fun. Well, you know, there's a lot of things at the end of, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that point back to, you know, the, the, the guy who was the main impetus behind debunking the whole thing, yep. then turns around and sends somebody who he's now working with on the other side of it to, to, revisit it because there was enough stuff there that indicated that it really was something that happened. Right. Uh, I I think that speaks volumes about that story. And a lot of people don't realize that portion of the story that they went back afterwards and, and, you know, 
basically had to recant everything that Heineken said in Project Blue Book about right. that situation. Exactly. So exactly, I mean, that alone is just telling, yeah. so telling of what actually happened there. Just amazing Absolutely. stuff. All right, so Eric, I know you have to go, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show tonight. Man, it's been a it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, Tim. No problem. Um, Do you have you anything know, you want to pitch before we take off? You know, if if anybody's interested in hearing my show, it's Uncomfortable Podcast. Uh, I'm available on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcast, uh, Overcast, Undercast, Castover. <laughs> you know, every every uh, every large podcast distributor that's out there, uh, you can find me on their apps. Um, there's a few of our shows, a few shows out there called Uncomfortable. So if you just look up Uncomfortable Eric. I'll pop right up. It's a black and white logo with a lowercase U and an uppercase N. Yeah. And uh, I was I'd surprised to, to find that actually. Yeah. <laughs> All those uncomfortable shows. I, yeah. When I was yeah. Like, ah, that's yeah. Well, there's one about finances. I think there's one that's a, a Christian church. Right. There's, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of different stuff, but um, I really liked the, I really liked the name for the show. Sure. And, and I think it's, I think it's pretty fitting, you know, uh, Originally, I thought, well, you know, some of these things, people are going to be uncomfortable to talk about it. Some people are going to be uncomfortable to hear about it. Right. And, you know, in the, in the, during episode five with the dinner with the witch, I had no idea that it would end up making me uncomfortable, but it, it certainly did. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with the name. Uh, if you're, if your people are interested in hearing some, some good accounts, some good eyewitness stuff and, and stories, um, please head over, check us out. And, uh, Tim, I can't thank you enough for having me on. And it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure for me too. I want all the best for you, man. Thanks. This takes off for you. And it's just, uh, wild ride yeah i'm looking forward to a wild ride i could use one right about now <laughs> be careful what i wish for i know but <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen once again visit uncomfortable the podcast if you want to hear more wonderful stories and interviews by eric eric thank you so much for being on the show ladies and gentlemen my name is tim sedano and this is paranormal insight